What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. What's up? And Team Chat Podcast is a video game podcast where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do that by sending us an email at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com, following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and subscribing to our iTunes and YouTube channels. If you want to support the show, you can do that as well by going to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show, and in return, we will give you a cool perk, like getting the episodes early before the general Tuesday release, as well as access to our private Team Chat Podcast Discord server. Boom. Boom. Now, uh, Zach sadly couldn't uh, join us for this episode, but he will be back next week, so never fear. It took him like five tries to get the intro it right. It did. This time, it's you weird guys. whenever you know, whenever one of us is missing, it, it just throws, it throws the, the whole, whole thing, thing off. <laughs> exactly. Although that was in perfect sync, so we're gonna have a good show. Today. Now we're back on track. We're it back just, on track. Just needs a little group synergy. There we go. We got it now. So an update for our song contest from a couple weeks ago. The game was submitted to us by Bro Mogan, Andrew Mogan, and his hint was, "Who needs a hammer when you've got a nail?" The game was Hollow Knight. Which I should have guessed because I know that he's been playing it a lot. The thing is, I haven't played it and I don't know any of the soundtrack. Yeah, which makes so it, I mean, I was like, makes it mm, difficult. Just would have been a shot in the dark. And, and it's know. one that like, I I mean, obviously it's 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 pretty good from what I listened to from when he sub- the, submitted the track, but it's also, for me, I sometimes don't like to listen to soundtracks if I haven't played the game yet just because it does, you know, there are truly great ones that you can listen to it without having any context of the game and you're like, ooh, this is really, really good. What's the super but, like non contextual Far Cry ending theme that's like, this does not belong in Oh, it's from Far Cry 3 Further by Serena McKinney. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's great. In fact, you really, it's better without Far Cry. That song is better without Far Cry. Yeah, and and it's one that you can listen to and you're like, this is great. But you're having no context for the game and that's what, you know, helps it make it better. So I sometimes (laughs) like to wait and listen to it. Plus sometimes, you know, track listings can have spoilers. That's true. Gotta stay away from those spoilers. that's a good point. I hate spoilers. But so this also this week is the first of our new format for the song for dealing with soundtracks because you know as we've said many times before we love soundtracks they're an integral part of our gaming experience and just our normal everyday lives because we listen to them so much and we want to be able to have a part of the show to share our appreciation and all of our listeners appreciation for soundtracks so we're starting now going away from these from the contest aspect of it where you know, we have to try to guess a winner because more often than not, that would just be us coming back to one of us being like, oh, okay, nobody guessed it. Because as we said, soundtracks are sometimes hard to identify. So we're going into this new method where we're going to do soundtrack spotlight, where you can all still submit your own soundtracks to us. And then we'll just pick one from that pool each week. And again, you know, same kind of thing. We'll rotate between being our pick to being a listener pick, you know, so we can have a wide variety of soundtracks for us to all listen to and enjoy. So we do have our first submission for that this week. It'll be at the end of the episode, as usual, like we used to do with the song contest. But it's from Brandon Weaver. So stick around for that little fun bit of musical joy. All right. Before we get into our main topic, let's... Have a little bit of news. Oh, with we've the got moment all with kinds Logan. of news. So we'll start with our favorite thing that I, well, my favorite thing that I love to talk about, and it's mm. all about me on Team Chat Podcast. At least for the moment with Mogan. <laughs> At least for the moment with Mogan. So in Overwatch League news, as people may know by now, Stage Two has officially started. So Stage One saw the victory of the New York Excelsior. Stage One coming out of the gate. Hot. Stage Two, excuse me, coming out of the wait, gate. Wait, wait, hot. wait, wait. New York Excelsior. Yeah. I thought Spitfire won. No. 
Oh, wait, yes, they did. Yeah, Spitfire won. Oh, Spitfire they beat won. The Excelsior. Oh, that's right. Just kidding. I thought for sure that New York had won. No. Yeah. It was it was them in the final, but it was yeah, but it was yeah. Spitfire who took the took the championship. Fascinating, yeah. fascinating. Sorry, All right, so Spitfire. Anyway, so speaking of the Spitfire, this news kind of is related to them. So one of their team members that we saw almost none of on stage one, Fisher, and that's spelled like not a fisherman, but like a fisher, like a crack in the ground. Yeah, uh, Fisher was pretty nonplussed that he was getting like no play time and not being on starting lines and on such a large roster as the Spitfire had. He was like, you know what? I don't need this. So he transferred. Fisher, yes, Fisher has transferred to the LA Gladiators. Ooh. And that his first time playing would have been when we're recording. No, it, yeah, it would have been Wednesday of last week. Okay. Because today yep. is Thursday. Correct. So we were just actually watching Houston Correct. Outlaws versus Spitfire That's while we were getting right. set up. That's right. So the Spitfire no longer have Fisher, but that being said, they were one of the teams to have the fastest filled up roster. So at this stage, it's really like, well, yeah, we're probably going to start to see more transfers happen, more team members move around a little bit. And Fisher is the first one of those. Uh, Fisher is considered like one of the top tanks in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, he's probably at least top one to three tanks in the Overwatch League right now, so I'm really excited to see him play. Tanks are my favorite ones to watch. Yeah, those are really fun, because especially, you know, tanks can be difficult. Like, they have a lot of health, but still, like, they can sometimes be, like, Roadhog's my favorite tank, and you know, he's a joy. Uh, he's, uh, he's a joy to play. He's a joy, <laughs> he's a joy absolute joy. <laughs> but still, you know, sometimes you have to do balance his lower damage to like low ammo reserved with all of his massive health. It can it can get confusing. Uh, sure. Is a has the Dynasty played yet? In Dynasty played the LA Valiant. Okay, so they played. Yes. Okay, they so played did on Wednesday of last week. I always say your name wrong, Gagori. Right? No, she's not in. Gagori? Is it Gagori? Uh, Gagori? It's Gagori. Gagori. Okay. Not so she like Gregory. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I always and, uh, want to, for some reason, want to say like Gregory. I know, no, I thought she was with the Shanghai she's, Dynasty. Yeah, she's with the Dragons. Okay, so, oh, Dragons. You said, yeah, you said Seoul, and I Man. was like, what? <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, yeah, the Shanghai Dragons. No, and she they wasn't, they did play last they did play, week, but you she are correct about that, them. but she she's not in yet, okay. and I, I'm betting money that the real reason for that is simply the language barrier. Yeah. She's having to, having learn, to learn Chinese to be able to speak with her new That's team members. Tough. And they, you know, they do have to practice together. Yeah. So obviously that team synergy is really important. They have to get practice time in with her and her being signed was really recent in the first place. That's true. But I'm really excited to see her play. I know. I can't wait. I, I'm sure that they'll probably announce it like maybe on their Twitter page or something like that when they actually have her join the official roster and actually yeah. get play time. Nice. Uh, and in other news, Metal Gear Survive, the mm. game that we were all really confused about, uh, it has been revealed that the game will charge you $10 if you want to start a new save file without deleting the old one. What? So okay, you, I totally missed that bit of news. This is new. <laughs> That's because this came out like today and or yesterday. Oh my god. Uh, so Metal Gear Survive is going to charge you if you want to start a new save file without deleting your previous one and your previous characters. Ten bucks. What? To start a new save file. That is absurd. Now, I think that I have time, heard some crazy things in my day. At the time that we're recording, I will say, I think that this news had just broke and it's kind of still a developing okay. story. So even we'll what I was able to this. find on it was pretty sparse, but it was like factual $9.99. Holy to shit. You have to buy a new save file, basically. That's ridiculous. I know, right? I Thank don't know. God, as uh, first impressions of that game seem to be that it's crap. Yeah. So hopefully that will go die in a fire. Yeah, for real. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking with that one. But uh, if we learn more information on that, we'll be sure to update the episode after the fact. I already had zero interest in that game. And now, now it's like ne negative. In fact, it's negative $10. Yeah, negative $10. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. 
And then, that's crazy. Yeah. In other news, that's kind of related to a lot of stuff that was happening last year, but has kind of come more into the spotlight because of some insider sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, the popular game Paladins. Are you familiar yep. with Paladins? Yep. Uh, an insider source recently spoke with, I believe it was Game Informer. I'm uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was one of them. GameSpot or Game Informer, I can't remember who. Uh, somebody spoke with an insider source at High Res, the studio that does Paladins, and they revealed that the recent update to the card system. So, like you know, in Paladins, you can get basically uh, stat cards, mm-hmm. and you can do like a deck build out, and it affects your play in game. They changed the way that you get cards okay. and the way that you basically have those abilities affect you in game. And essentially, what they're saying is that it really kind of is pay to win now. Uh, and mm. basically, the what was really interesting about this particular article was that the source was saying that within High Res's studio, there was a clear division of people who did not want that to happen versus the people who did want that change to go through. And it was simply a matter of top executives said, we're doing this. And the entire development team was like, we hate that. And we don't want this to happen. So apparently there's been a bit of friction within the studio itself surrounding this card, this new card update. And I'm interested to see if that might become more of an issue for other studios further down the line. Because if you can't get your own development team on board with the changes you're trying to push through that's gonna that should be a sign it's gonna make your end product suffer because if you're having high turnover high turnover of your own development team you're not going to get a quality product yep. so i just thought that was really interesting that's why i included it that is interesting we'll have to ask uh the guys over at brg because they just did that yeah. uh that that thing that where they have the people come on and they like play a game and then uh, kind of yeah. like for like a month and then review it so they were doing that with paladins gotcha. at the end of last year so they're pretty familiar with it we'll have to check in with them and yeah see, i want to uh, know what their thoughts Karak, are on that. warped let us know. And then uh, beginning March 1st, players of Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon will be able to get your new downloadable legendary Pokemon. Cool. So for the month of March, those are going to be old classics from Diamond and Pearl, Regigigas, and Heatron. Heatron, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and unlike the previous ones of Dialga and Palkia, those were available by downloading once you went to an actual GameStop store. Okay. The new ones are on a new system. So you'll be able to get download codes for Regigigas and Heatron in March through so the Trainer Club newsletter. <laughs> say Regigigas so, five times I know you can't. <laughs> and if you've ever heard Regigigas say his own name in the like in the Pokemon shows, it. it's terrifying. Oh my god, because he's like a robot, I guess. He's steel type, right? It's worse than that. Oh. oh, it's crazy. You'll have to look it up sometime. Anyway, so you'll be able to get these new Pokemon again by getting uh, download codes from the Trainer Club newsletters. So that is going to be different than last time. Uh, they are, of course, free, though. So you can sign up for the Trainer Club newsletters uh, totally for free through um, Nintendo's online system. So you can get those for nothing, literally. Cool. And then out now, De Blob 2 for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, Immortal Redneck Xbox One. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. Uh, but whatever. Uh, Payday 2 for Switch. Uh, Rift Star Raiders for Xbox One and coming soon. We have Bravo Team for PSVR on March 6th. We have Final Fantasy 15 Royal Edition for PS4, Xbox One, and PC March 6th. We have Frantics for PS4. Scribblenauts Showdown for Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, both of which come out also March 6th. Nice. Did you see that the uh, speaking of Switch games and things like that, that the Doom on Switch got updated with motion controls? 
<laughs> I wonder if that makes it better or worse. I'm assuming it makes it better. <laughs> also, real quick, so I was talking to Bro Bogan the really other day. And now I really want to play it because yeah, of that. Yeah, that's probably a fantastic. Just real quick, I want to make this clear for anyone that's new to owning a Switch or that simply doesn't know this. The Switch Pro controllers, which you can buy optionally. You know, mm-hmm. they don't come with the Switch, but you can buy them. They do have motion controls built in. So you can use those a lot. Because I was like talking to Bro Mogan and I was like, oh, yeah, I was playing with the Pro controller. And he was like, oh, man, so it must have been easier without the motion controls. And I was like, no. <laughs> the motion controls are still on. <laughs> so just for everybody's information, it's got motion controls built in. There you go. The more you know. The more you know. The more you know. Well, thank you for all those news and updates and recent and upcoming releases. You're quite welcome. My mouth is kind of tired now, so I think it's your turn to talk about the topic of the day. Ah, the topic of the day. Well, see, now it's in a bit of a conundrum because I was going to have you go first because oh, yours well, is, the more recent, <laughs> is the more recent of no, our we topics. we should start with the old one all and right, then go we'll, work we'll our way that. up to we'll the present. That. Okay, so our to- for our topic today... We wanted to do a couple different things, which is also now somewhat of a new change in how we're going to refer to things in our Team Chat podcast nomenclature. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. So instead of now calling a game that just comes out and when we talk about it for the first time and if we haven't played it, finished playing it yet, instead of calling it review, we're going to call it our first impression, I believe, is what we agreed upon. Yes, first impressions of game. So we have a first impression of a game coming up for you later from Mogan and a wrap up review for me because we'll do because now we were talking about it is like that doesn't make a sense because we had a couple games not very many but like destiny games and uh, the division <laughs> where we're, we initially played we're like this is fun then after we spend a lot of hours in it we're like this is not as good <laughs> and we want to be able to accurately reflect those changes so that's why we're doing now our first impressions which is the first time we get to play a game and when we're still mid-game and we want to talk about it then we'll have reviews which are the final, here's our official like exactly. scoring, here's how we feel about this game. So just so everybody knows, like review implies that you've actually finished the game. Yes. Or you've gotten to a point where you've decided you're personally done with it and you're going to stop. Uh, case in point, Uncharted 2. <laughs> I got about I mean, at, at least to the point where like you finished, I know a lot of games these days, like Destiny is a never ending. Because they'll, yeah, they'll per, you know, Destiny or even the game I'm going to talk about are never ending. But when you've reached the point where, like you completed the campaign or yeah, you're just completely, we're just completely done with it. That's when we come back and be like, like, here's my final review. Because you may have quit playing it because you absolutely hated it. And sometimes you like get Uncharted two hours two into a game saying. and you're like, not again. Not again. <laughs> you just have to quit. I'm going to say, I need to play Uncharted 2 so I can see if I make it farther than you do. Uh, you you I mean, absolutely I will. will. You but I'm interested to see so if like by Uncharted, if two hours into Uncharted 2, I'm like, oh, this is a lot of the same Man, or if I, I have a different opinion. I got past like mission one and it was like on cutscene number two of like the next arc of the game. And I was like, <laughs> no. no, I'm not doing it again. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. Okay, so the full review now, wrap-up review that I'm going to be giving is on For Honor. Hey, everybody. I need to make a quick correction to this review for For Honor before we get too far into it. In the review, I refer to the game's currency as salvage, and I realized after we recorded the episode that I left out that there are actually two forms of currency. Salvage is what you use to upgrade your gear and your weapons, whereas the actual currency of the game that you use to purchase outfits and emotes, executions, and all that is referred to as steel. So if I'm talking about buying emotes and things like that, and I say salvage, I mean steel. When I'm talking about upgrading your weapons and your armor, I'm referring to salvage, which is what I actually call it in the episode. So uh, that was a big enough correction. I felt like I needed to come in and make this extra point post-recording. So now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. The game recently hit its one-year anniversary. It has gone through the first uh, release of all the new heroes 
new maps, new modes, and so it's starting its year two, uh, which in year two, season five, with the which is the Age of Wolves is what it's being called. So they're doing a lot of uh, cool events now. Is that based on the year of the doggo? You know, I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah, probably but yes. Might, I think yeah. I'm right. <laughs> I think it, it has some correlation back into the single-player campaign. Um, so for those of you who don't know, not aware, not a super fan of the game, For Honor is a uh, medieval fighting game, basically. Like it, uh, Originally, I kind of thought it was going to be more of an action adventure, but it really is straight up just a fighting game, uh, similar in vain to Tekken... Uh, not except it's not 2D side to side. It's more of a three. It's a 3D. I mean, I know that those games have 3D aspects to them. The map is a little, has a little bit of depth, but this is completely 3D. You're moving around, you know, in the 3D world and space. Um, but but fighting game. Each hero is its own unique unit with its own unique move set. Where you have to learn the combos and how they interact with, against and counter and block all the different characters. And that is at its core what this game is. But it just takes place with three different factions, the knights, the samurai, and the vikings. Uh, you, uh, you, When you start playing the game, you can choose which faction you want to ally with. You can also change at any time. But if you change within a season, you do not receive... If, say, you're playing as a knight... Uh, you see the knights are losing terribly, and you want and you switch to the winning team. You will not receive winning team. So you rewards. jump ship like a coward. You don't deserve the reward. That's I, a good. That's a good is, system. It's a good system. I have been a knight since day one. Continue of course to you be have. A knight. You Jared hashtag basic. <laughs> Honestly though, it was a choice between that or the. I'm or surprised the samurai. you didn't go I with Viking. Nah. Well, now I wish I had. Because, well, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, because of one of their heroes that came out. Oh, you like, are a Genji main. I forgot about so, that. There we go. Oh, my God. I have so always liked lame. the samurai. <laughs> the samurai are a, a, a great ancient warrior. Uh, so, anyway, uh, when the game came out, like, obviously, I talked about it then, and I was very favorable. Because for me, this has been a game that has I have honestly waited my whole life for. That to have this level of, now, granted, I know it's not realistic. But to still have that level of combat where you have to choose your guard, choose your attack, choose your defensive stance, you know, all these different things has been something that I've wanted for a very long time, being a huge fan of medieval history and warfare. Uh, so instantly that gave the game a lot of bonus points. It has a very high learning curve, though, saying that. <laughs> the, because learning all of the different stances and all the different attacks and and guards and what have you of all the different heroes can be very complex. So really, and that was one of the initial things that came out as being a big knock against the game. People were like, it's going to take so many hours to play to be able to level up your character all the way. And Ubisoft's response was, eh, but we're kind of expecting that each person would pick a main character and you focus on that one to level up. And everybody's like, but then why did you, you know, blah, blah, you know, started going back and forth. See, what's Honestly, interesting, now, oh, no. I was just going to say, what's interesting about that is I feel like most gamers that actually come from traditional fighter games would be completely okay with that system. Because that's how every fighter game mm-hmm. is. You've got a roster of like 20 plus characters in all cases. You can't be amazing There's no all way you can learn all of them realistically. You pick like two to three. Yeah. And those are your mains and then you just kind of learn how the game works on the side so that you can at least passably random random your friends you know how it is right so i do really wonder i know that you haven't played a ton of fighting games in the past like traditional ones like tekken i've tried street I'm fighter uh what's the other one that i don't the like? big one mortal Kombat. mortal <laughs> the big so one mortal Kombat. i was when i was listening to him off earlier i was like there's another big one i, know, I should I was know blanking the name on it too i was blanking <laughs> on it yeah so like big classics like that i do wonder if you had been more familiar with that system if you wouldn't have found 
found the prospect of learning those move sets quite as daunting. Yeah, and probably and probably so. But so that was a big thing, uh, you know, when the game launched. But now here we sit a year later. I'm like, oh, that makes complete sense. Like I don't understand why that was such a big kerfuffle back in the day because because people don't want to learn, Jared. <laughs> well, I've paid. I have three. That I would, and I do the same with Overwatch. Like, I'm decent. I can play just about any character on Overwatch. Not great, but I can play them. And same with this game. And I, but I try to pick, you know, I've picked my three, one from each of the factions that I like. like this is my main one. Uh, so I'll get into that in just a little bit. But basically, there are these different game modes that you can play. You can do one on one duels, two on two, which they call brawls. You can do death matches, which are four on four. And those have two different modes of either just being a, uh, Elimination or skirm- or uh, skirmish is what they call them. Elimination is basically it's it starts off you're in a duel one on one with someone you kill that opponent you can either go stand and and watch your other teammates fight an opponent and wait for them to either kill or be killed and then you can move on from there you know it's it's obviously it's it's the in the the meta that's arisen around the game it's it's the thing of being an honorable thing of where you stand there and wait for your opponent oh your, so you're not supposed to like go over and start bullying other people with I mean them? people do I was about to say that's horse apples I want to go people kick do. people's asses but still it's like you know you got a good game on your hands when like you're still fighting an opponent and there and an enemy comes up and just stands there and waits for the fight to resolve and I'm like oh this is great this is I great. do I like that honorable aspect I mean I th- on, on the one hand I hate it well, <laughs> well the actually hand, the game will actually dock points from your kill oh. if you it, it, it'll call it a dishonorable kill and it'll knock like 10 points off the oh. kill this kill score if you gang up or like a two-on-one or like come in at the last minute and take the kill away oh, stuff like okay. that so you know the game is somewhat built to relay that but People still do what people want to people do. People still you know do what it. I mean? <laughs> it's about sending a message, exactly, Jared. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but anyway, so, and then there's Dominion, which is zone control, three zones across a map, and you have to try to control them and rank out and get enough score points to where it causes the enemy team to break, which means they have no respawn if they are killed. And then once you kill off the other team, the game's over. Hmm. Uh, and now they recently, they introduced it, I believe in season four, a new game mode called Tribute, which is where there are these three altars placed around the map. You have to take an offering, which is basically a staff. You have to pick it up from one location on the map and run it back to it to a altar. And once you activate the tribute, it will then give your team a buff. And then the team, the other enemy team can go and try to take that away. And now I'm blanking on what you would do to have to win. It's still score-based, but I think obviously you can get all three for your team. Okay. Then it's gonna do you it's going to benefit you best. So or it's that like might a actually weird warped capture the flag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty fun mode. Yeah, I haven't I like played it as much that. because it's more new. It's a more new addition to the game. I haven't played it as much as the other modes, but it's still a fun new one. And it's, and it's nice to see that they're going to be introducing more, more modes into the game as time goes on. Cause they still have, you know, we're in year two games like this. Now they don't necessarily have an end date on when they'll stop making for it. Just, I guess it depends on how active the game is. And the games does have a very strong user base still or player base still. Uh, so yeah, so they got that tribute. They also introduced uh, tournaments and, and ranked play for tribute Dominion. Uh, they even have tournaments where you can go and and play through, and you'll receive like unique rewards at the end based on on your characters and all that. Um, let's see, checking all my notes. So the new heroes. So each season they introduce a new hero. Obviously, the first season was just the release of the game, and here are all the heroes that you have. Uh, then 
in season two, they introduced two new heroes, the Centurion and the Shinobi. Yes. I think I remember you talking about that. The Centurion and Shinobi, yeah. which was the first bit of, obviously, like any new game, you introduce a new hero like that that throws off everything, and everybody's like, you're dopey! You know, <laughs> shut it down! And that's what everybody thought with the Centurion. Ridiculously hard character to fight just because he introduced really uh Close quarters combat to it. He, he some of his moves would drain your stamina really quickly if you were able to fall prey to his attacks. So you know that was the first big toss up, I guess, that came along during the game. Uh, season three saw the introduction of the Gladiator and Highlander, which uh, the Gladiator is also another knight hero. The Highlander is a Viking hero, which oh, is my main is my main from the Vikings. Not surprised. Had the Highlander been a been a day one release, I'm sure I would have gone with the Knights. Did you, oh, with the Vikings as my main faction. Did you used to watch Samurai Jack? No, actually. I've, I've missed then. that one. Because there's the one uh, side character that's like Jack's basically good buddy, the uh, the Scotsman. Okay. And I just like, I in my head, I'm picturing whoever this Highlander is as the Scotsman from Samurai So Jack. I actually, after I, t- I talked about the, the last one, I actually did take a screenshot of all of my character of my three main so I'll show them to you in here in a second. <laughs> okay, cool. Pop them up on the screen for everybody watching at home on youtube.com for Team Chat Podcast. So, and then, and, and then in season four, they introduced the last two of the year one heroes, the Shaman and Aramusha. The Shaman also goes to the Vikings. Aramusha is, uh, is a Samurai. Gotcha. And the Aramusha is my third. Oh, okay. Main. And he is a dual-wielding samurai. He is badass. I love him a lot. Uh, but the Highlander is pretty cool, too, because he's a huge sword. Obviously a Scotsman. You know, big fan of William Wallace and all that. And my ancestral home of Scotland. So Sure. Had to go, sure, had to go for that Highlander. And, of course, who could forget the, cult, the 80s cult classic Highlander movie? I was about to say, that's the, really the one that anybody ever thinks of. Which, honestly, have you seen that movie? Have you watched it, no. uh, like, recently? I've seen the fight scene that takes place in, like, a parking garage. Yeah. A like thousand times. at the very time. beginning. Oh, is that at the beginning? Yeah. Okay. I have no concept of what actually happens in that movie. I just know that there can only be one. Yeah, there can only be that movie is honestly like I spent so much of it watching it just going like, what? <laughs> I it, it is a thing like you had to be there like in the eighties. You I, just had to be on a lot of cocaine. Why is Sean at the Connery top? playing a Spaniard, but he still has a Scottish accent? That's so dumb. What's going on? But I mean, I still own it on Blu-ray, and it's amazing in, in oh, its own whatever. way. Sure. But anyway, uh, so anyway, all those different things are going on. They also have will have periodic events, like they had a Halloween event, they had a Christmas event. Right now they're doing an anniversary event where you fight characters from the single player campaign that either the boss the bosses or the playable characters oh, so from the like single player NPCs. Campaign. Yeah. Oh, very so you'll cool. fight against them. It's AI only. Oh, and all these game modes that you have, side note, you can have the option to either play them against other people or as AI. That's now, nice. Now the game, so now, practice. Yeah, exactly. Now all of that goes and that's in the multiplayer, there is a single-player campaign where you take, you will rotate from playing, you'll play the knight story, the viking story, and the samurai story. Uh, and in that, you're fighting the big, you know, there's the big bad Apollyon, and who, and the story unravels as you go along about how she's originally, or how she's in control of the knight faction, and then it just, how it all comes together, how she's trying to kind of start this all-out war thing. Mild spoiler. We'll go any further than that. Uh, so anyway... The, the majority of this game is obviously meant to be played in multiplayer. So there's a lot of that. Um, and then... 
So that's basically a good, you know, that's a pretty solid overview, I guess, of what of what's going on and how the gameplay mechanics of this game. So I'll go through now, like, briefly some of the pros and cons about this. So obviously, like I said, like I alerted to earlier, it has incredibly in-depth combat. Love it. Obviously, with a game like this, if that was off, it would not be near as good. And people would have fled long ago. Uh, there's also... Excellent hero roster. All the the uh, the different heroes that I that I play as, they have great looks, great costumes, great uh, customization, great uh, what. And that's the other thing. You can also up like they they do a really good job of having uh, gear drops and and everything that you can either unlock through the salvage that you can use. You get salvage by completing maps, uh, completing special orders, which give you either additional XP and salvage. And you can also uh, dismantle previous uh, groups of. You can dismantle old sets of armor and weapons and different stuff like that, which will give you more salvage than you can then use to upgrade your the stuff you do want to use. Um, so you have all that. Obviously, the uh, the so the gear and outfit is a really cool thing. This is actually the first one that I the first game that I really do spend stuff uh, salvage on on outfit items and cosmetics. Overwatch in this game are like the only two that I do. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because it is really fun to like make your character look really badass and just like get him all this really great gear stats and everything. Can you customize Darth Vader in Battlefront? No. You can't like make him wear... There was a mod that 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 came out (laughs) that came out with Battlefront 2 when people, when the, the EA came out and they were like... Uh, that doesn't make sense for us to sell custom uh, to sell cosmetic updates because you can't really change the look of Darth Vader. Like that's dumb. So then somebody immediately made a mod where he's in bright pink. That's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. It's amazing. Thank God for mods. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so you have that. Uh, it, Ubisoft does a really good job of keeping the heroes balanced. Obviously, like any game, same in Overwatch. You throw in a new character, it throws things off for a little bit, and then they realize, ooh, we got to reevaluate because now this old character does really bad against this character. This character is now. It's a little strong. We need to tone it down a little bit and see how and see if we can get it to fit better in with the established meta of the game. So, but they do a really good job of that. They don't wait for the new seasons. They wait. You know, they have. They will release weekly patches or biweekly patches, whatever, as they need to take care of things. They've done a really good job of that. Contrary to what the subreddit might think, I feel like it's all they keep it pretty. But pretty the community well is always more outraged than the situation actually warrants. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the orders are a fun way to provide yourself with additional XP. It'll be things like get a five kill streak without dying, mm. uh, get this much reputation by the end of a game. Got your score. Get that much, th- like six hundred reputation by the end of a match, and all that. And that will give you an XP boost, some additional salvage, depending on what it is. Um, and then each time you, which then feeds into the ranking system, which is every twentieth rank you gain a reputation. Which so. Right now, again, I don't play as much as probably a lot of other people. Right now, the highest reputation you can get a character is 50. I have, because I have played around with a lot of different other characters and everything, my highest is my Warden, which is in the Knight faction, and he is a, I'm almost a 7 with him. Oh, wow. But I have several other uh, Rep 1 characters. Oh, okay. So it's not like I'm not playing at all. (laughs) You know, and so I just I'd like to I like to try out the new characters and then I like finally settle on them. Warden has always been my main go-to since day one, but I've messed around with the Lawbringer, uh, obviously the Orochi, which is a, a samurai assassin character. I've I've done I've played around a whole lot well, before so one of the main on my villains of classic game Okami is Orochi. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about that, and I had that thought we were talking. about. Like, that's like the samurai it's guy the in Warhammer. Um, so yeah, there's all. 
do a lot to customize, make your dude look your own. So I'll go ahead and show that now. The uh, the different customization options that you have for your characters. I bet characters. they all look like trash. Nah. Okay, so here's the Aramusha. Oh, okay. He's pretty cool looking. Yeah, pretty badass looking. Like his hat. Yeah, which it's like, that's a pretty field of view blocker right there, buddy. Uh, there's my Highlander. All right, he is pretty cool. Isn't that cool? He kind of does look like the Scotsman from Samurai Jack. Like, so, just for the people watching at home, let's get this. that's definitely what he looks like. So, you know, you'll get different chests and different things that will have a different layout here. I obviously chose this one that has the tartan because it just looks really McLean cool. That's not the McLean family tartan. Ah, uh, you know. And then you can even change on the sword. This is what's cool. So, like, with each character, you can upgrade their helmet, arm guards, their chest, and... That's it. And then you can also upgrade your like sword handle, your your guard, and then the blade itself. You can okay. those are all the different things you can choose. Then you can change like the ornament, which in this case for the Highlander is this is this set of antlers, which oh. I had to pay extra salvage for. I had to buy like an outfit to get it, which was like fifteen thousand salvage. But I was like, oh hell yes, I'm getting those <laughs> badass antlers. Um, so that's the Highlander, and then the last one is my warden, who I've decked out with like this really. Badass looking like he spiked looks helmet. Like a Templar. Yeah, he really does. He's the most Dark Soulsy one of the group. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Got the like spiked shoulder pads and on him. Oh, awesome. I the like his gold, little skirt. His gold bladed, uh, in golden whatever it is. There's golden yeah. blade. I can't get the word out. Oh, the inlay. The inlay. Thank there you. We go. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so those are my three my three main characters that I've got going on. Um, let's. What do you see. call them? Like in your head. Do you have like names for them? No, really, I don't. You're like, so I just boring. Warden, Highlander, and uh, and Arabusha. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm, Clearly, I'm too busy. Names I'm too busy trying to learn all the moves to Joseph. be thinking about names. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> Joseph is the warden. That is his official name. It's the most knighty sounding name I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> the Scotsman is. What should the Scotsman be? He could be like Donnie or something because he he has this. So they each have. As you perform moves, they have like voice lines and everything that you say. His big one is you go into his one of his attacks and he goes, goes Dom McGloss. <laughs> so. That's probably his family name. He's there probably just shouting his family name. And then Armush is actually pretty silent. Oh, He's okay. A silent All right. We'll call him, we'll call him Takahiro. Takahiro. There we go. Boom. Boom. Uh, so let's see. So I will say. This game is the first game. It does have a very balanced economy. It does have microtransactions as games as this type do. You can spend real money to buy salvage, which okay. you can then use to either upgrade your character, upgrade your abilities, or your armor, or your weapons, and different things like that. Or you can use it to unlock new outfits, executions, emotes, you know, t typical microtransaction stuff. This game, though, even it has never felt like one, though, where I feel like I have to spend the money to be able to upgrade the stuff. I'm able to easily upgrade the equipment I want to upgrade with the amount of money that I've either made for, as rewards from seasons, seasons endings, normal gameplay, and any other bonuses that come my way. I actually they also will as a as for uh, season rewards will give you like a free box of gear salvage that you can then turn in to get premium gear drops. Basically, I have twenty six of those stored up. Nice. And I just haven't wanted to spend them yet because I've been trying to get, you really don't start getting good stuff to your higher reps. Gotcha. So I don't want to spend them all on like my level one guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't do me any good. So it does have a very balanced economy, whereas I've never felt like, oh God, I got to spend $10 to get enough gold to do this stuff. Uh, this is also the very first game I've ever purchased a season pass for. Oh, 
okay. because I knew I would want to play all the different heroes. Automatic, it automatically unlocks all the heroes when they come out, gives you access to them a week early, uh, and a little uh, some other smaller benefits to it as well, like some extra XP bonuses and stuff like that. Um, but in and I haven't regretted it. I haven't felt like it was a waste you of money. You haven't been like, I want my money back. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I feel like the game does have, it. Do, it's another instance of microtransactions done well. Like I, it doesn't impede the game. It doesn't hinder the game. It's a, it's a very well handled system. And they're not super intrusive. No, no. It's a totally player choice. Um, they d- actually, in this, in this new season, they actually unlocked it where you could spend 500 salvage to be able to get an XP boost for a round. Which I feel like is a nice, uh, a nice thing because especially if you know you're going to finish an order on that round and you're trying to like really jack up your dude's experience, you could buy the the extra XP, get that nice sweet bonus on that. There are no actual microtransactions in Splatoon, mm-hmm. but like from in-game play, you can get a certain type of currency where that enables you to buy an item that gives you an XP boost for a certain amount of rounds. Nice. Yeah, so I got you. Hi, we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> uh, the last big big thing that is cool pro is this mini game that the game has called the uh, Faction War. And basically, so, you know, there are the three factions. And then it has this map when you open up the game and you're looking in the multiplayer menu. And it shows, like, there's the Knights Territory, Vikings Territory, and Samurai. And as you play the game, you can choose to allot after each round your troops. Uh, and you can, and now you can. Ha- they have it where you can plant like a war ba- uh, war banner where all your troops after each round will go into that section, and you can either use it to attack an enemy's section, a territory, or defend one of your own. Uh, and so, based on how many troops are deployed, and then how many territories are owned at the end of each campaign, is what determines who wins a season or a, you know oh, a round because okay. there are battles which are what take place on a daily basis that ends in campaigns, which are what takes place every week, I want to say, ish, week-ish. And then there's the end of the actual season, which it has, so there are five campaigns per season. Okay. And the whoever wins the most at the end is who does that. So that's just a fun game to like kind of think about because it's be like, oh, this one's being attacked by like plus one million troops because there's so many guys coming. So you like throw your defenses there for one round. The next one you like move them over to this one. Next day you play or whatever. Uh, so that's just a fun little mini game that helps just keep, you know, it, it helps have that little bit extra bit of rivalry. In, in the game and everything, and then also is a great is a great tool for having these extra rewards given to players at the end of whoever whichever faction is able to win the game. Is there a faction that's like the clear favorite in terms of sheer popularity? It actually kind of varies. It used to be samurai. Like when the game started, I was about to say, it was I samurai. feel like it would be samurai. Then about mid mid year, it became the Vikings, oh, and now okay. it kind of seems to be switching to the to the knights. So. We'll, we'll see how the game goes stuff. on. And it probably also varies just due to the type of hero. Now, if you play as, if you al- ally yourself to a faction, you are not locked into playing only that faction's heroes. You can still play across any any hero in any faction that you want. Your points just go towards your okay. allied faction. Gotcha. So now the cons. Oh boy, here it comes. There actually aren't that many. Okay. But they're, they can be, I guess, kind of big. Notice I said this is a multiplayer and a single-player game, but I have yet to say really anything about the single-player because single-player sucks. Oh, it doesn't really. I get it. With fighting games, they normally have somewhat of a lighter story because they don't want to bog you down with huge, intense, long cutscenes because they're just trying to get you to the action. I get that. Uh, Still, though, the whole time, I did not understand why I was doing the things I was doing in the single-player campaign. I did not understand. I didn't necessarily get the end goal that I was shooting after and why I was supposed to care about this Apollyon character and 
and why she was trying to do what she was trying to do. Like, like I'm not intentionally trying to be vague to avoid spoilers. I honestly really <laughs> don't, don't get what know. she's trying to do. Uh, I felt like the writing was a little lazy also. Didn't really have, like, the dialogue felt very forced and very... Uh, very like bad NPC dialogue. Very modern for an for an ancient game. Oh, okay. So they didn't you know really play up the historical factor exactly. A lot. Like they said phrases that I'm like, you wouldn't have said that back then. I see. You know that kind I, of stuff. Yeah. Um, the voice acting was also not that great either. A lot of, uh, I will say the the voice actress who does Apollyon does a pretty good job. But like, there's this one one character you come across, Siv. She's a Viking, uh, berserker that you fight against, and the all of her lines are like screamed really <laughs> and it's very it's just i don't know i just and it's not just her in that way like a lot of the these voices like the characters for the samurai uh who did the voice the samurai characters didn't sound very japanese it was just we- some weird things like that uh were were kind of odd um and then the soundtrack also you know i love a good soundtrack but it's just not it's just best. not it's there. It's just kind of like it's music there. Yeah. You know? I mean, really Every once in a while you hear like a good like motive or something. You're like, yeah. oh, that's cool. I wish I could have more of that. But it's just like a recurring like looped thing. I mean, the only fighting game that has a soundtrack that is actually worthy of being mentioned is, of course, the Tekken series with its stellar <laughs> yeah. soundtrack. We've heard some from Spanning many the, decades of joy and, and wonder. <laughs> yes, because yeah. they're so good. It's <laughs> interesting. And then the big one that's actually about to be probably, I'm hoping will be fixed, is there have been issues with servers and being disconnected and lagging games and stuff like that. Then that is because Ubisoft didn't give the game dedicated servers. Ah, which the I same get. problems with Splatoon. I get because it's a new IP. You didn't know how well it was going to be picked up, and much less how long it was going to be played and how long it was going to be popular. So why would you dedicate a whole like section of your servers to this game? Yeah. But now it's in year two. As of the nineteenth, PC players now have dedicated servers. Console oh. players will be getting them soon. Okay. So I'm well, hoping that this will go on away. It. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. I'm hoping that will go away. Lucky. So, we still can't get dedicated servers for Splatoon. I've seen, I've seen you and uh, Fuchsia and Ark and Nick all kind of bemoaning about it. That. Yeah, I, I get it. It's a big problem when you're just trying to play a game and then it's like, yeah, the servers just won't let you. It's like, I know you were having fun, but have you considered not having fun? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of putting it. Uh, so really, that's it. Uh, I, I still am having a lot of fun with the game. Uh, it's one that I I don't play as often as others. Like I was like I was saying before we started that I'm having to like basically force myself from playing to stop playing Overwatch because I need to be playing other it's things. It's just so fun. It is just so fun. And For Honor has that time with me. Like since these new events and the new season started, I've been playing it a little bit more. Uh, I I really enjoy getting into it and learning, trying to still finesse my move set and learning how to best combat other characters. Uh, I still have a ton of fun with the game. I think if you are a fan of fighting games, it brings something new and unique to the genre. And I think you should check it out. If I were to give it a, I don't like our like percentage of hate. I love the percentage of hate. I would say, so so, until we haven't set anything else up yet, I'm going to stick with it. I will say that I love it 70%. Okay. See, was that so hard? It's not that hard. So that's a 30% hate index, I would still highly recommend it. Really? So only 70%. Well, because this... I would like more from the single player. Okay. I would have liked okay. more than that. I, I think that even though it's not the main focus, I felt like it was it was definitely felt more of an add-on than an actual part that they wanted to really do. Right. And so uh, that's kind of where the big knock comes from. I think, uh, yeah, so I, w- I would sit at, at, a solid, at a solid 70. All right, fair enough, fair enough. 
So switching just as many gears as we can, we're going to go to a vastly different world. So this is going to be uh, Team Chat's first, first impression. How do you do first impressions? Uh, and we're going to be doing it for, uh, I've recently learned that the correct pronunciation is Fee. Ah. It is not, in fact, Fay. So this would be the game, uh, if for anyone that's looking to actually look it up on Google, it's stylized as F-E. Uh, jo- uh, one of our patrons, Ark, made a great joke. I'm I'm sure you can hear my eyes rolling about iron deficiency. It is like the the periodical, what's it called? Periodic table of elements. It's periodic table of elements. I was going to be like the periodic spreadsheet of <laughs> something. Shows how much I paid attention in science. But yes, it is in fact the abbreviation for iron, which is FE. Uh, so Fee is a game that's uh, published by... Uh, EA. EA, there we go. Because we were talking about Ubisoft, I wanted to say oh, yeah, Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah. No, it's published by EA Originals. So we briefly touched on EA's many woes pretty recently regarding our episode on Microsoft. And EA Originals is the subsidiary of EA that focuses solely on indie games. So it's published on EA Originals, but the developer of Fee is Zoink. Okay. So Zoink Games, which is a Scandinavian-based gaming studio. And I will go on ahead and say right off the bat that Scandinavian influence is everywhere in Fee. Really? In a very good way. Nice. So it's not the kind of game... There's been a lot of comparisons drawn from Fee to other contemporaries like Journey, Ori and the Blind Forest, and a couple of others. However, I would really say that one of the most comparable experiences I personally have been able to make that contrast of is Take Okami, take out all of the people, and take out all of the combat. And what you're left with is very similar to what Fee is. Mm. So this is not the kind of game where you're really fighting anything per se. You do have goals, and there are certain enemies that you're trying to get around, but you don't fight anything. It's much more a puzzle platforming experience in a very interesting package deal. So you uh, basically start the game with no explanation, no setup. This is very much a minimalistic game. Mm -hmm. And when you're actually looking at it physically, it's got that really nice low poly styling where all of the elements in game are like very geometric. They're very polygonal, polygonal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm struggling with my words today, but they're uh, just very low poly styling. However, the aesthetic laid over that in terms of the color schemes used by the game are just a treat for it's the eyes. It looks really great. That game Especially is some of the screenshots you've candy. shared. Oh my gosh. Oh, my hilarious one on Twitter because I'm so funny, oh, which I'm actually not going to mention because that's kind of a spoiler. So actually, if you're now looking... I'm sad I looked at yeah, it. Yeah, if you're looking forward to the game, actually, don't look at my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it, spoilers about. Yeah, abound. like spoilers about. Just don't look at them. Scroll past. Keep scrolling. Uh, so the game is absolutely gorgeous to look at. The environments are, they're not super wide open like Breath of the Wild. They are more on an enclosed scale because it's an indie game. You know, Mm. it's not a huge, massive experience like Skyrim or Breath of the Wild, but it does have a high exploration factor. And the environments that you're exploring are really engaging and just beautiful to exist in. 
So it's not a 2D platform like Ori. No, it is not. Okay, so no, it's more is, open. It's like a linear open. This world. is absolutely a linear uh, open world. So you can progress through the game in a variety of different ways, but there are certain benchmarks that you have to get that you have to hit to really be able to move on to the next. Okay, section. okay. So let's just set this up with kind of the first initial stages of the game. So I am going to try to keep this as spoiler free as possible. So for anybody that's wanting to know more about it, you shouldn't have to worry about that here. Because the game's only by the time of this release. Yeah. Is two weeks it'll only be about two weeks okay. old and just a quick setup um it is available for all platforms cool. so ps4 xbox one and switch it is only twenty dollars nice the game is literally a steal and for the quality that you're actually getting i think it's probably worth more so i would absolutely say right off the bat it's worth the money so if you're thinking about it get it uh, so the way the game starts is you kind of zoom in on the world that you're going to be traversing into. Mm -hmm. It is never stated if this is Earth or an alien planet or some sort of alternate fairy world, which a lot of Scandinavian folk folklore does have kind of like a parallel world that's basically inhabited by ghosts and spirits. Yeah. It's never stated if that's any if any of that is even remotely true. Uh, my personal thought is that it's an alien world. I just think that that's what it is. And you zoom in on this alien world. World, and what you see are five, I believe, little meteorites, and you kind of follow them as they crash to Earth. And one of those meteorites is you, who I assume is Fee. So in my head, I will admit, I actively call your little fox character Ori. I really do. Because they, <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of look a little similar. It kind of looks like it kind of does. Fee is just like a purplish, right? So Fee is actually technically black. white? Yeah, oh, so okay. Ori is white, and Fee is actually black, and depending on what ability you have active at the time, you could be black and gold, black Ooh. and green, black and purple, black Fancy. and blue. You actually are really pretty, like, as your own little creature, and you're adorable. <laughs> you're so cute. So in my own personal head, you as Ori, and you're not, again, I just want to make clear, you're not Ori, but that's what I call myself in the game. Um, you just sort of crash land and you immediately go into gameplay. The game does not give you any explanation of the controls. It's just like, all right, have fun, kid. Get out there. You got this. And one of the first encounters that you have is just, it sets the tone for what you can expect from the game, which is a very sweet encounter with just other creatures in nature. Mm. So the whole premise of uh, Fee is that you are trying to befriend the local flora and fauna, and you do that by singing. Mm. And it's actually really cute how you do this. So it actually took me longer than I would like to admit to figure out how it actually works. You try to match your tone and your song with that of another animal. Oh, interesting. So like if I walk up to you and I'm like, song? And you're like, nope, song. other song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, okay, I got this. And on the Switch version, at least, you can use motion controls or the sticks to match your pitch. Interesting. So what you're really trying to do is sing and match the pitch of the other creature. And once you, as in the Switch version, you feel it, like you feel the rumble in your controller. And when you feel that you've got the the uh, pitch right, you hold it for as still and as long as you can. And then eventually the song connects. So by matching another creature's tone and its particular pitch for the song you basically befriend them. And nice. like once you get the pitch right, the other creature's like, yay, it's so exciting. Like they don't talk to you, obviously, but you're like, yes, I've made friends. Yeah. This is great. And even the whole game's um, explanation system, literally just like one sentence comes up on screen and it's like, sing gently with animals. And I'm like, okay. 
I will happily do that. This game, I will say, ticks off a lot of my personal Pikmin boxes. Like the way that I approach Pikmin from a very protective stance of like, these are my creatures, yeah. I'm in charge of them, I have to keep them all safe. Like those feelings very much are uh, activated by feet. So you are trying to sing with creatures, not only to gain them as friends and allies, but to eventually gain their abilities. Mm. So for example, let's say that um, you're a bird. Okay. Birds can fly. Yes. I cannot. Oh, no. I would like to be able to fly, but as I only have these little puny glidey wings and not much else beyond that, I really can't. So if I want to get from point A to point B very quickly, I can't do it myself. I would have to either walk or climb trees or jump, traverse the world through platforming. Or if I have gained the ability of the bird song, I can just go to the top of the tree, sing my little bird song, and then a big bird comes over and it's like, hey, want to ride on my back? And you're like, hell yes, I nice. do. <laughs> but I would love to see the sky. It's the ground fantastic. The Indeed. Off we go, sir. And it's really sweet how all of this happens. Like the game really really does give you a very just kind of feel good feeling. Mm -hmm. It's actually kind of creepy. Like certain parts of the game, uh, the coloring can actually be kind of creepy and uh, it, it gives you the feel of a ghost story sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's never, it's never ominous per se. Now there are sections where that does come into play, but if you're just out in the world and you're trying to platform, maybe get some new abilities, figure out where you're going next, that's not really part of the game. So let's say that um, I want the bird ability though, and I wanna be able to really use it to its maximum extent. I may have only encountered little birds up till then, but I need a big bird yeah. to be able to actually unlock the full potential of the song and gain the ability. And the way that the game takes you through this is very intuitive and it's very well paced. I will say that the pacing of Fee is one of the areas that it can really shine or that it can really tank. Mm. Because the speed at which you progress through the game really, not necessarily the speed, the flow at which you progress through the game physically very much impacts your experience. When I first started up the game the very first time and I was going through probably the first kind of one or two sections, I was actually not enjoying myself. Oh, really? I was like, it's very pretty. I like it a lot. I'm not really, not much I, yeah, I was like, I don't know about this. Like I was actually kind of having a bit of anxiety. I was like, oh no, am I going to be Did I waste $20? I, I was worried that I was going to be disappointed because there are some mixed reviews. Like yeah. there are definitely people out there who are like, you know what? It's not that great. And I'm like, you shut your whore mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that I think it's a fantastic game, but there are areas, especially in the beginning where it can feel frustrating mm -hmm. and really clunky and not that great of an experience. But the more abilities you gain, the further you progress into the game, the more the flow picks up. If you can get that good flow where you're really making progress through a level and really doing like some really smooth platforming, it's a really good feeling. It makes you feel very accomplished in the game and you're like, yes, I'm a badass. I mean, I'm not actually because I'm a nice little fox creature, <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah. And as far as the actual conflict of the game goes, 
this is something that I haven't gotten to the resolution of yet. Again, this is a first impressions thing, but the whole point of the game is you as Fee, you're trying to protect this world and the creatures in it from these nameless evil entities that I call Stonewalkers because they're like, you've probably seen them, you've seen them in the trailer. Mm. They're these big kind of humanoid creatures that have one single eye in the middle of their spiked skull that is uh, acts as like a searchlight. So the eye glows, it gives out like a cone of light that shows you where they're looking at any time and what they do with that is you will like through cutscenes, basically you'll see them snatching up creatures from mm. the world like let's just say I made friends with that bird over there and then I go over this way and then I turn back and my bird friend is gone it's because the stone walkers got him oh they like shoot out this weird kind of otherworldly net and like capture other creatures and you're like you stunned up bitches. My bird friend. My bird friend. I will get you back, bird friend. A big bird, no! <laughs> and it's just, it, it actually, like, every time it happens to another animal, my anxiety shoots through the roof. Yeah. Because it's those Pikmin feelings. I'm like, no man left Oh, behind. that's right. You hate to leave your Pikmin. I hate you to leave my Pikmin. don't let the Pikmin, Pikmin die. So it's very, uh, it definitely motivates me to progress through the game a lot more quickly because I need to save all of my friends. Yeah. Uh, but the Stonewalkers, you know nothing about them. You just know that they're bad and that you know when they're coming because the world uh, color and tone will change from like that really beautiful calming tones of purples and blues and greens and just really beautiful, pretty environments to red, orange, white, bad stuff, shadows everywhere. And you're like, oh my God, it's this coming. is horrible. <laughs> like the first time you actually run into them in a, in a certain area of the game, you're like, I don't know what's happening here, uh, but it's bad. Yeah, but it's got to be bad because all of the sound goes away from the game. Ooh. And the further you get closer to them, the more it goes from like purple to red. And you're like, oh, this can't be good. This is no, this is not good. I need to turn and around. And then you actually run into one of them. And if they see you, you essentially just like one hit kill. Oh. Because if they see you and they actually manage to get to you, like you have a bit of a delay before they actually get to you, but they're very fast and their movements are extremely creepy. When they see you, they go from upright to like these kind of spiderly crawlies like movements on Ooh. the ground. It's quite scary. They're really terrifying and they're very fast Jeez. once they actually spot you. So if you're able to run away, you can run and hide, but there's no way you can actually fight them. There's no fighting the stone walkers. You just either avoid them or you escape from them if they notice you. Mm. If they notice you, they basically cast out that net and trap you and it's just game over. Oh. Uh, the game just sends you back to your last checkpoint by default. Um, now, the Stonewalkers and their story is really a very integral part of the game. So without any spoilers, uh, their perspective is really well done by Fee. So at certain points in the game, you can optionally find these collectible items, which are basically these little crystal eyes. And if you find them, uh, Fee will like pick one up and hold it up to his own eye. And the game teleports you very briefly into the view of a stone walker. Mm. So you're suddenly first person perspective. You are the stone walker. It's abundantly obvious that you are because you're like through a pinhole view yeah. and everything is red and there are all of your friends and they're like weird alien robotic motions at you and you're like, yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> um, and it's interesting to see that different parts of these crystal views are clearly things that have happened in the past. They're not things that a stone walker is doing at the time. It's something that has already happened. 
it. Okay. And through these very, again, these are very brief moments in the game, uh, a full Stonewalker view, depending on how fast you choose to make them go, which is not fast. If they're not actively chasing after you, again, they're very slow. Uh, it's really just seconds. So you might only be able to see the Stonewalker view for like 20 seconds, mm -hmm. and then that's all there is because you just had one crystal. But through finding a bunch of these crystal eyes and putting the views together, the game does a fantastic job of kind of building out what they are oh. in a very slow-paced and intentional way. And I really like that. Nice. And technically, all of these are optional. You actually don't have to pick up any of the crystal eyes. You don't have to know anything about the Stonewalkers other than that they're bad news bears. Mm -hmm. But learning more about them, I think, is where the game's real story comes from. Because, again, this is a game with no dialogue. There's no, like, written artifacts that you can find. It's just you as Fee. And in the case of the crystal eyes, the view from the stone walkers. Okay. The one exception to that would be another kind of collectible item in the game, which are runes. So the stone walkers are apparently real artists. They love to carve stories from their own past, kind of hieroglyph style onto certain uh, stones. Mm -hmm. And if you get close enough to one and sing at it, it activates the rune and it like lights up. Uh, it's actually really cool to find them because it gives you just these very impressionistic, just briefest of ideas about what are they doing? Mm -hmm. What are these stone Why creatures? Are Why are they here? What are they doing? Yeah. Why am I here? And those are the questions that the game asks you in a very introspective way. Okay. And I think that's where I'm really getting the maximum amount of enjoyment out of the game. It explains nothing to you that you don't explain to yourself. It gives you the barest amount of information and you're just left with questions. Okay. And through puzzling those out on your own and thinking like, well, what do I think happened? Why do why are the Stonewalkers here? What do I think about that? I'm having a really fun time trying to put the mystery together on my own. Nice. And I don't know where it's going to go because this is a first impression, but so far I am really enjoying it. So that is like the story then of the game is, the story is finding the out like the origin exactly. of the Stonewalkers and why you're on this yes. planet yes. or place. Absolutely. Uh, and as far as um, the game's tone goes, it is very much helped by the soundtrack. The soundtrack is beautiful. I was hoping that this one would Oh my gosh, I mean, obviously, because yeah. <laughs> it looks like Ori in the Blind Forest, yes. I'm hoping that it has a soundtrack now, or, I will know, say, just like Ori's. Uh, nothing can beat Ori in the Blind Forest. That's no. a, a, a just impossible. It's a master class. Gareth Coker. Mm. Just can't be beat. Um, but it is beautiful for what it is. And what the game does incredibly well I think it's like the second big mission that you have, like the second big part of the game where you're trying to rescue a particular animal and the way that you do it and the way that you progress from beginning to end of that enclosed mission is so beautifully done. Mm -hmm. That was actually one of the spoilers from my Twitter. That image that you saw, yeah. that was part of that mission. Oh. And when you progress from point A to point B, the closer you get to the culmination of that end, the more the music very gradually goes into crescendo to fantastic effect. When you finally get to the end of the music, is like at its swell. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. This is so beautiful. <laughs> Such a good time. <laughs> so going back to like what we were talking about earlier, 
is this one that you could listen to without having the context of the game and you would still be enjoyable? Absolutely. Like, can I, because it'll parts. probably be a while before I play this yeah. game, if so at all. So, really, just certain tracks because the game also uses a lack of music to great effect as well. Mm -hmm. If you're just out in the world and nothing is really happening, a very minimalistic soundtrack will okay. play. It's really much more nature sounds, creaking wood. It feels like you're in a Scandinavian magical forest, which is exactly what Zoink was going for. Right. Uh, so, it's really only at these very impactful times of the game that the music will really come into play in a big way. And again, uh, that's to great effect. Like it's helping the game that those big musical pieces are being reserved for very specific parts. Cool. So, but you could look it up. You could be like Thee OST on YouTube and whatever it spits you out, it's all going to be gold. It's fantastic. They mostly err on the side of very, uh, emotional string pieces. Uh, it uses a I lot like of, yeah, a lot of cello, a lot of violin, nice. maybe a little piano. Did mm. I imagine that or was that actually in it? I could see it being in there. It's, I don't know. I, I, I know it's very strings heavy. So it's very orchestral, very strings, excuse me, symphonic. It's very symphonic, strings heavy. There may actually not be any piano now that I'm thinking about it. I'd have to look it back up. Okay. Um, but the one thing that I will say is borderline I'm not ruining the game, but it's the biggest drawback. And this may, in fact, be unique to Switch, the frame rate. So for this to be such an aesthetically uh, hinged game, mm -hmm. you know, the, f the vision of the game is what it is pinning itself on, is yeah. the aesthetic appearance of it. And the frame rate can just tank that. Really? There are certain parts of the game, and again, I think this might be the Switch, where the frame rate just is like, and you're like, Oh, oh, that's that would be so, so jarring. And again, the thing is, is flow is really important to this game. And if the frame rate comes in and just totally craps your flow out, you're like, well, now I'm mad. Yeah. Now I'm not happy anymore. So the frame rate is definitely not doing the game any favors. I'm very interested to know if that's different on the other platforms. Mm. I'm betting that that probably doesn't happen on PC. It probably doesn't happen on PS4. It might on Xbox. Who knows, yeah. right? Xbox is such a wild card. <laughs> uh, but the Switch does have a pretty well-known problem with frame rate. Yeah. So I will say that if you're thinking about getting fee, you certainly can get it for the Switch, but be prepared for the frame rate issues. If you have the ability to get it on a different platform, I honestly might recommend it. Really? See, because yeah. in, in my head, again, not sure if how you know, if I'll get to that one or not, or when I'll get to it. And in my head, that's like, that seems to be a game that like I would want to play on the Switch. So that's yeah. kind of interesting that you would. I mean, I think that in terms of where you would place it in your gamer mind, it goes with the Switch. Okay. It goes with the Switch or PlayStation. I would, I would really kind of allot it to either one, but obviously you could play it on PC. I think it's available on Steam. No matter what platform you choose, I, my hope is that the frame rate is improved on others. Nice. So just if you're getting it for the Switch, be aware that the frame rate is occasionally terrible and it is very frustrating. Well, it's like, uh, on average, how often does that happen? Frequently. Oh, really? It is actually a frequent problem. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's so very it's not like once every half hour? No. It's Ooh. pretty common. That's uh, rough. Yeah, so it is pretty rough. Uh, it's definitely a huge drawback to the experience. So again, if you're thinking about getting it, maybe go with PlayStation. I feel like that's probably going to be uh, significantly less of a problem. I'd have to do some research on it, though, to know for sure. But of course, I'm trying not to have anything about this game spoiled for right, myself. Right, you go, you go exactly. looking up like that kind of so, stuff, yeah, you're going to so see I'm something like, Well, I can't see. look anything up because I don't want to have anything spoiled. Yeah. I know that I'm doing it on Twitter, but that doesn't mean that I want spoiled for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how spoilers work. Yep. Uh, so um, I'm really interested to get to the end of this game. 
it's actually longer than I thought it would be. Yeah, I was about to ask you, how long do you think it is? It's like, surprised. where do you think you're at? There, you can kind of view the world map, but they're like all of the sections of it don't immediately pop out. I think I might be maybe. Oh, wait, actually, I have. I would say I'm halfway through. Okay. And I'm basing that on the amount of abilities I have versus how many I know I'm capable of. Okay. So the way that you get abilities is also very tied to how much progress you make in the game. So I do believe that I'm halfway done. Okay. And by now, actually, I my initial thought was that I would have been done by now. So it is turning out to be a longer game than, an, than anticipated, which is a good thing. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, Initial impression of the game. Where are you sitting? I would happily give it a 95% oh. um, if it weren't for the frame rate. Okay, so because of that. Frame rate takes it down to like 85. 85% love. Okay. So if you can get it on another platform I mean, that's, where that's not a problem. That's still pretty high. Stellar. Yeah, it, no, 85 that's, is still pretty that's high. That's the thing. So even with the terrible frame rate, it's not stopping me from playing. Good. And it's definitely the kind of game where I'm like, man, I really want to get home and play Fee. So it's not like Breath of the Wild level of obsession, but it's very much a game that you do want to see the conclusion of. Okay. I really want to know what happens with the Stone Walkers. Who are they? Why are they here? And the mystery of the game is very uh, intriguing. So yeah, would recommend nice. definitively. Nice. It's always good to have another game it, out there that you would want people to oh, play there's no and talk words. about. So Sam might like it. Oh, there you go. Is it just quick, quick gameplay like right, yeah, getting no, right into it? It's just platforming. It's there just you platforming. Go. She loves platformers. It's a good way to go about it. All right, well, that wraps up our main topics for today. So, obviously, we both give hearty recommendations for these two games, For Honor and Fee. Uh, so, go check those out. Obviously, we'd like to hear your impressions of those games as well. So, if you have played these games or have played them and hate them and <laughs> want to let us know, you can do that, obviously, by sending us an email, teamchatpodcast.gmail.com or following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, commenting in the YouTube video below, all those different ways you can go about getting in contact with us. Or, if you're a patron, sending us a message on our Discord. Uh, so, but before we go, we do have to do our first entry into the soundtrack spotlight. Woo! Let's all cheer inaugural spotlight! That's supposed to be like a beam of light. Oh, okay. You know, that's what well, I was Well, that just makes me think of the stone walkers. I don't like that at all. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, like I said, uh, Brandon is our first submission for the soundtrack spotlight. He actually did it unknowingly because he put a song onto our, onto our Facebook page, and I was like... That's going to be it. It's like, good job, Brandon. <laughs> good job. Way to look ahead. So, uh, Brandon, this, the soundtrack that he brought up for us to listen to today is from Bayonetta. I believe that he's currently playing in the process of playing Bayonetta's 1 and 2 for the Switch, the which Switch. came out on the same day that Fee did. Oh, what bad so you luck. Were like, I know. I was like, you were tossing God, it up there. gosh darn it. <laughs> so the song that he chose is Fly Me to the Moon Climax. So, uh, so a little bit of background. We'll play that at the end of the episode, like what we used to do with the soundtrack, with the soundtrack contest. Uh, but a little bit about it is the Bayonetta soundtrack was released in Japan on, this is from Wikipedia, was released in Japan on J November 4th, 2009. I can't believe that game is that old. The album contains five discs with 150 tracks used in the game, composed by Hiroshi Yamaguchi, Masada Ueda, Rei Kondo, Norhiki Hibino, I hope I'm saying these right, Arena Niwa, Takeyasu Sidioka. Just say Genji, 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 Hanzo, Genji. That seems Genji. slightly racist. <laughs> it is a little I am appalled. You got me. <laughs> I am appalled. Oh, that's funny. Aaron Niwa. <laughs> uh, oh, here I said this. Takahiro Izutani, Yoshitaka Suzuki, Naoto Tanaka, and Mitsuhura Fukuyama, which uh, I would hope with for 150 songs, 
or tracks, like you would need a little help with that. And that's absolutely indicative that it's a, that it's a game by Platinum Games because, oh, yeah. for example, the Near Automata soundtrack. Again, that's a Platinum Games mm-hmm. game. So many tracks. Which actually, like, oh you my saying gosh. that, and the little bit that I have played of Bayonetta, and the little bit that I've listened to the Near Automata soundtrack from when you've played it, they have similar sounds, similar sound styles. Yeah, gotcha. and, I, and I honestly have a hard time describing what that is. They're out there, man. <laughs> They're in a category of their own. And that's really, I guess, the only way to describe yeah. it. So the song that we're going to be playing again is from the Bayonetta soundtrack. Uh, the song title is Fly Me to the Moon Climax. So give your ears a listen. But with that, that concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. Until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song. Yeah.